Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. Well, last week we started a study on the Holy Spirit and this kind of all goes hand in hand with the fact that we've been talking about on Sunday morning uh, or studying on Sunday morning about being filled with the Spirit. And, and uh, if we're going to be filled with the Spirit, we've got to know what we're asking to be filled with. And so uh, tonight we continue our look at the Holy Spirit. And I want to ask you to simply just bow your head and close your eyes and let's ask God to to be in our time of, of study of His Word. Dear Gracious Father, Lord, we, we pray that You would allow us, Lord, to, to spend time focused solely upon You. Lord, as we open Your Word and as we study it, Lord, first we thank You for the privilege that You give us this opportunity. Lord, uh, also we want to thank You for speaking to our hearts. And and Father God, uh, there's so many times that we just simply... Uh, we're out in the world and we, we're going through so much and we uh, seek Your direction and yet we uh, don't listen to You when You speak to us. And Father, we pray that, that in this time that we would hear Your voice, Lord, that we would understand Your desire for our life and Lord, that You would guide us in Your way. Lord, we pray that You would help us to, to worship You, uh, both, uh, not only Father and Son, but also the Holy Spirit that we'd worship You uh, and give You the glory that You deserve. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In each church and in each community, there are three groups of people. There are, first of all, uh, the group of people that, uh, that we talk about sometimes in here. We talk about those who are lost in the world. We know those people as people who may or may not know who God is or what God is, uh, is to their life and what God has done for them. But they're in the world and they have no relationship with God. They uh, may uh, have an antagonistic relationship with God, but, but whatever re- for whatever reason, whatever purpose in their life, they, they just don't have a relationship with God. Uh, these people are, uh, many of these people know who God is, and yet they still choose to not follow after Him. Maybe it's because of their lifestyle, maybe it's because of, of things they like to do and choose those things over a relationship to God, but uh, we all know people that are lost in the world and they're without Christ. Then there's a group of people that uh, come to church every uh, uh, so often or every week. They know who God is and they understand who God is. They have uh, a uh, understanding of who, what Jesus Christ did for them on the cross of Calvary, but yet they still choose not to follow after God. They don't study God's Word. They don't apply God's Word in their life. They don't, uh, they don't have a relationship with God. And, and so... 
these people are very much like the the uh, uh, those who are lost there in and have that antagonistic relation. It, well, let's just put them both together. They're lost, the lost people. The second group is not lost people. They're saved people. Uh, those saved Christians are Christ, uh, people that are uh, Christian. They gave their heart and life to Jesus Christ, but they don't have a daily walk with Christ. They uh, they rarely pray. They don't study the Bible. They uh, only read scripture when they come to church they they don't uh, uh, know much about the bible and they don't know much about god the third group is a group of people that uh, love the lord they study god's word they uh, they're in the word daily they they seek to follow after god's direction and they seek to know what god would have them to do now uh, of those three groups of people the lost the saved, but not walking with Christ, and the saved who walk with Christ, which group do you think God wants us to be? God wants us to be the group that that has not only a relationship with Him, but uh, strives to seek to have a good relationship with Him. And the difference between all three of those groups is, is the level of, of intimacy with God, the level of not just a head knowledge of who God is. It, it, uh, it amuses me when I hear uh, sometimes on the news they'll bring in this religious scholar and I'll listen to what they're saying and, and real quick I can tell they're, they might be someone who knows about uh, uh, different religions and knows about religion, but they clearly don't know who God is. I mean, it's so evident in the way they talk and the things they they approach the Bible as a history book that or a uh, a book of uh, from history, and uh, they look at at scripture as as different types of of literature, or uh, they they discuss uh, religion in terms of of the things that that people believe, but they clearly have no belief in Jesus Christ, and those people that are that are in that category. They have no relationship to God. They don't know God. And, and they're lost as lost can be. Uh, and God doesn't like that there are people in the world that, that don't know about His love and don't have a relationship with Him because God's desire is, is that all of humanity, all men would know His love and accept His love. Okay, uh, God's not too satisfied with those who know Him as Savior and Lord, but but aren't walking uh, in the right way, not living the right way. And these people are are the you might call the people that want their cake and eat it too. You know, they they are saved, but they want to live like the world. They have Jesus Christ in their life, but they don't they don't listen to. Uh, the prompting of the Spirit of God. They don't listen to God speaking to their heart. These people are not living the kind of life that that God would have us to live. Uh, All of Christianity is, all of our 
life in Christ is based on relationship. It's more than just simply a belief. It's a relationship. Um, that's for that's why in Scripture, many times our relationship to God is compared to a marriage, a marriage relationship. Uh, you can't have a, a relationship with your spouse if you don't speak with them, you don't talk with them, you don't uh, listen to what they have to say, you don't communicate with them, you don't, uh, you, you don't have much of a relationship, you don't have much of a marriage if you don't uh, love one another, you don't uh, desire to do the things that, I mean... Uh, at least a couple of days out of the year, you ought to do something that that makes your spouse happy, right? At least, uh, at least, uh, maybe on their birthday, maybe on Mother's Day or Father's Day, whichever it corresponds to that individual. Uh, at, you know, at least, and maybe Christmas. You know, you want to. I remember my dad, he used to always say, uh, we used to always ask him, Dad, what you want for Christmas? And he'd say, Oh, just get me some underwear. And and here I am, I'm a little kid, and, and Dad's asking me to get him some underwear, and I'm like, underwear? Why do you? And I'm thinking, why in the world would you want some underwear, Dad? I mean, uh, you know, I'm wanting a racetrack, and I'm wanting, uh, you know, a new bike or something like that, and he's wanting underwear. Um, but... You know, Dad was like, well, at least I can use it. You know, it's not a tie that I only wear every once in a while, and it's not useful. You know, underwear is useful. I can use it every day. Uh, but, uh, you know, that kind of response is the kind of response you, you uh, uh, you know, if you if I was to give my dad underwear, that, well, that would clearly show that I don't know my dad very well, right? I mean, it would show that I'm just, you know, uh, getting him something for... for for the sake of getting him something, you know? And and I, here I am, I'm wanting to get him something that really touches him and, and really uh, uh, speaks to him. Why? Because I have a relationship with him. I love him and I want to make him happy. I want, I want, when my dad opens up the gift, I want my dad to, to be speechless because it expresses not just simply a gift at Christmas, but all the love that I have for him. And that ought to be our Christian walk. We ought not to have the kind of relationship with God that just simply ticks off the boxes and, and says, okay, He gave His heart to Jesus uh, on this date and, and He started to uh, read His Bible on this date and He started to ha do Bible study on this date and He started going out and witnessing this date. We ought to have the kind of relationship with Jesus Christ, have a relationship with God that expresses our love for Him because of His love for us. You know, God didn't, God didn't just simply say, you know, <clears throat> you've got sin in your life and I'm going to write your name on the blackboard like the teacher. And when you accept my gift of salvation, I'm just going to erase your name off the blackboard so you're not in trouble anymore. That's not what God did. God expressed His love to us in the forgiving of our sins. God, you know, God could have been like the bookkeeper. 
okay, I've got the ledger here and you've got so many demerits because you've sinned this many times. And let's see, um, uh, I'm going to provide salvation for you, so I'm going to take the eraser and start erasing all the demerits you got. God didn't do that either. The way in which God expressed, uh, brought about salvation was an expression of His love. He gave that which is dear to Him, His Son. And He gave that uh, gift of His Son over to us in a way that, that was a total commitment of His Son in payment for our sin. And that gift of salvation was a total expression of His love. So why in our relationship to Him as Christians should we not also express to Him our love in that relationship to Him? And so uh, tonight we're going to talk about uh, some of that. And part of that relationship to Jesus Christ is... uh, expressed in the fact that when we accept Jesus into our heart and life, the Spirit of God comes upon us. And Paul in his writing to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 5, he's been discussing with them their Christian walk throughout the book of Ephesians. And he comes to uh, the latter portions of Ephesians by the time he comes to chapter 5 and he's giving them instruction on how they should live. And Paul says in verse 18, he says, "...and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit." speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. I always used to uh, wonder how this kind of, uh, of uh, instruction fit with being a Christian? How, how is it that this was uh, something that I could apply to my life? And, and I realized uh, uh, as I studied this how it speaks to us in terms of our relationship to God. It says in verse 18, "...and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit." When... One of the main reasons why I've striven throughout my life not to do the kind of things that that take control of my life is partly because of this verse. It says, "Be not be not drunk in wine, wherein it is excess." When you drink a lot, uh, uh, there are certain things in our life that can cause us uh, to lose control. Uh, here, uh, Paul is talking about particularly wine because it is something that uh, that what happens when you drink a lot of wine. Well, in this uh, in Paul's day, it took a whole lot of of drinking wine to get drunk. Uh, it didn't didn't 
today, because of fermentation and everything, it doesn't take a whole lot to to get drunk. I don't know a lot about wine. I just know that this one uh, one particular thing, the wine in today's context is a whole lot more potent than the wine in Paul's day, the day of uh, of the Bible. Um, <clears throat> What Paul is here is talking about is not just simply the drink. Now, wine was something that had to be drunk on a regular basis because the water was not palatable. Uh, the water in in uh, in Israel, uh, you couldn't drink it. You couldn't. It's not like today where we've got filtration processes. We can get water that's dripping, uh, dripped off of a glacier mountain in Norway or or Sweden somewhere. We we can get water from Antarctica that's that's uh, dripped off of a glacier and and uh, flown all the way here in ice packs and and we you know the purest crystal clear water. In the world, we can drink, you know, there's people that, you think that Fiji water is really from Fiji? It says it's from Fiji. Um, I wonder if it's tap water from Fiji. Is it really the same as, but what, you know, we've got all kinds of, of different waters that you can go get, and they all purport to be uh, a little bit more pure than the rest. And, and regardless, we've got water that we can drink that we don't get sick from when we drink it. Uh, some of you act like you get sick when you drink water because you don't drink enough water in your life, but uh, and you're not used to the taste. But uh, uh, water for us is something that we can drink on a regular basis. In Jesus' day in, in Israel, you could not drink the water, so as a result, uh, they drank wine uh, as a way of staying hydrated. It was not the kind of wine like we drink uh, or we have access to today. I think uh, there's two things, uh, two schools of thought. Wine in Jesus' day was fermented. It just wasn't fermented as strong as it is today. And the fermentation was to kill bacteria in uh, the wine. And, and uh, some uh, believe that wine was mixed with water and the wine was used to kill bacteria in the water. Um, and there are others who uh, believe a third thing, and that is, is that wine was more like grape juice is for us today. You pick which one you want to. Uh, here's the big uh, reason for what Paul is saying here. When we drink wine, especially to excess, it is something that what? Takes control of you. You've heard of people say, well, I wasn't myself. I was drunk or I did this or did that. And it's not just talking about wine here. Anything in our life that takes control. How do you know that, preacher? How do you know that? Well, uh, look at what the full verse says. It says, Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, it's not talking about being filled with spirits like... Uh, 
uh, going down to the bar and, and uh, ordering some drinks. It's talking about the Spirit of God. And so what he's saying here is, is don't allow things in this world to take control of your life, but allow the Spirit of God. That's what he's saying. The uh, God is the one who is to control your life. Don't allow the things of this world. Now, you could put a whole bunch of other things in the category of wine. Don't take drugs because they can, can cause you to control your life and cause you to do things, cause you to sit on your duff and stare off into space for uh, days on end and then cause you to have the munchies. Don't do drugs because uh, it controls your life and can cause control. You could put don't... Uh, don't gamble because it can control your life and take control of your life and cause you to sell all your belongings and feed all of your money into uh, at the gambling table. Uh, but be filled with the Spirit of God and allow the Spirit of God to control your life. Well, uh, don't uh, become obsessive about your job because uh, the Spirit of God is to control your life. Um, basically... When someone now, I've I've not drunk alcohol. I'm not an alcoholic. I don't drink, so I don't know uh, what drinking can do. But I've seen a lot of people that do drink alcohol, and in their life, their life is filled with obsession over alcohol. And I think what God wants us to know is, is don't allow anything to be your obsession. Have the Spirit of God to be your obsession. Be obs- don't be don't allow things in this world to control your life, but allow the Spirit of God to fill your life. Okay, so I'm not dumping on drinking alcohol. I'm not dr- dumping on drugs. I'm not dumping on jobs. I'm not dumping on uh, gambling. I'm dumping on all of it and telling you don't allow anything to control your life. Whether it's pornography, whether it's uh, gaming, whether it's uh, gambling or whatever it might be, don't allow that thing to be in excess in your life to the point where it controls your life, but rather allow the Spirit of God to control your life. So first and foremost, God's desire is, is that He would, uh, that we would seek out the Spirit of God in our life and allow Him to control us. Allow Him to have dominance in our life. Why? Because that's what it means to have the Lord, uh, uh, God, to be the Lord of your life. To allow, uh, when, when you allow uh, uh, drugs or alcohol or, or gaming or gambling or, whatever, or pornography or whatever else to have uh, control of your life, then that's the Lord of your life. God's not the Lord of your life. Those things are the Lord of your life. And God's desire is, is that we would look to Him to be the Lord of our life. He doesn't say just simply give, uh, 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 take my plan of salvation here and, and have, have my salvation. Uh, he says, no, I, I want to be your Savior and Lord. I want you to have the right relationship with me, and that is to have Him as the Lord of your life. So he says, do not be drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit of God. And here's a, a reason for allowing the Spirit of God to fill your life. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and make melody in your heart to the Lord. He says, when you do allow the Spirit of God to be the Lord of your life, when you are filled with the Spirit, your life will be filled with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and giving glory. When we, uh, uh, when we have 
God as the Lord of our life, when we follow after the Spirit of God, then our life will be filled with praise to God. By the way, what is it that we'll be doing in heaven? No, uh, uh, we'll be happy to see Aunt Martha and, and Daddy and Mama and everybody else that's gone before us, but it won't be, we won't be going to heaven to have a family reunion. Now, I know there's a lot of people that want to think about that uh, to ease their pain when they lose the loved one, but that's not going to be the priority of our time in heaven. What's the Bible say that our priority is going to be? Our priority is going to be worshiping God. Hey, the angels have been worshiping God and singing Hosanna, glory to the God in the highest, and singing uh, uh, praises to God around the throne of God for all eternity. That's going to be what we do, okay? When we, when we get to heaven, the first thing that we're going to do is sing praise to God. We're, the first thing we're going to do is not running up and down uh, the streets of gold or go, going and running down the street and saying, Hey God, which one's mine? Which mansion's mine? Hey, no, it's going to be a mansion because we'll be in the presence of God. We, it'll be streets of gold because uh, gold and, and uh, pearl, pearly gates and all that won't have any significance to us because why? Because we'll be in the presence presence of God. And all those things that we value here on earth will be like dirt and gravel because we'll be in the presence of God and we'll be able to worship Him. And so we'll be praising God and exalting Him. And so our desire should be to, to be filled with the Spirit. Why? Because it causes us on this earth to start what we'll do in heaven to praise God, to glorify Him, to sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs. And hey, if you don't like the time we spend in singing hymns in, in church, then you need to start getting used to it. You're going to be doing it for all eternity. And you ought to be doing it because the joy of the Lord should be filling your heart so much it can't stay in. It's got to come out somehow. And it comes out in songs and hymns and spiritual songs. Amen? Amen. Well, at least I got the song director to say amen. That's what the Bible tells us. We ought to be filled with the Spirit. We ought to be filled with the Spirit because we'll spend our time exalting Him and we'll be sharing with one another and praising God. In verse 20, giving thanks always for all the things unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. What those things that we'll be singing about, giving thanks to Him because of what... Do you not appreciate what God's done for you? Do you not love Him because of what... Look, um, if you had a rich relative that came and said, you know, I, I see you got your house and it's been damaged by the storm. Why don't you come and live with me over here in my big old mansion? And, and I, I, I see you, you've been driving that beat up old car for a long time. Here, here's my car uh, keys to my uh, uh, Bentley or here's my keys to my uh, Porsche. I, I, I've got too many other cars. Uh, you drive this one for a while. Uh, it needs... It needs to be turned, the engine needs to be turned over every once in a while. How about helping me out with that a little bit? And uh, 
uh, you'd be thanking it. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate it so much. You'd be saying thank you, thank you, thank you all the time, right? If something like that happened to you and, and you were invited to come up to the Hamptons where all the really, 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 really rich people live, you know, it's expensive to live in New York. But the Hamptons is, is the more expensive place in New York to live. And, and uh, that's out on the beach and everything. And and if somebody said, hey, I, I got a house up there and I need somebody to come and stay in it for a while, would you mind going? Oh, yes, thank you very much. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. And yet God did so much more for us. We ought to be thanking Him. We ought to be praising Him. We ought to be rejoicing at what He's done. He's done for us something greater than than allowing us to stay in, in a big old mansion and, and allowing us to have all kinds of things. He's given us something greater than all those things. And so we ought to be praising Him and exalting Him. And when we're filled with the Spirit, that just comes out of our mouth because it, we are so filled with it, uh, love for, for God and because His Spirit is part of our life. And, and what, does the, what are some of the, the attributes of being of the Spirit of God? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, kindness, faithfulness. All those things are all about giving God glory. So, God wants us to give Him control in our life so that the Spirit of God fills us, fills us with thanks, fills us up with rejoicing, causes us to sing praises to God and giving thanks to God, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of the Lord. Boy, what does that all have to do with? What's submitting? Hey, preacher, what's this thing about submitting have to do with being filled with the Spirit? Well, Paul's already talked about uh, uh, submission uh, some, or he's about to talk about submission here and a little bit more submitting yourselves. And he says in verse 22, Wives, submit yourselves. Uh, Husbands, submit yourselves. Uh, Sons and daughters, submit yourselves. Servants, submit yourselves. What's all this submission? You know, uh, when the, the Southern Baptist Convention one year was in, Salt Lake City, and I, I'd been going out to the Southern Baptist Convention each year for a couple of years, and my brother and I went out there. He was a minister of, of education and youth at his church, and so we kind of traveled together to the convention. We were both messengers, and so we went out there. We had never been to to Utah before and we were at the convention and and we happened to be discussing at that time at the Southern Baptist Convention about uh, amending and updating the uh, Baptist faith and message and we were talking about this very passage of scripture during the convention and and uh, we had a break and and there was uh, we were at the convention center and we went uh, to the mall across the street from the convention center to eat in the food court because uh, we uh, there were so many people there and we didn't want uh, we wanted to be able to have some choices of something to eat we're just standing there minding our own business uh, talking to each other and and when you go to those kind of things you kind of lose aware
awareness of what you're doing sometimes. Uh, when you're at the convention, everybody's got a lanyard on that identifies your name and it indicates that you're a messenger and everything. And when you leave and go out to eat, sometimes you forget you got that on. And we were just standing there uh, talking to each other while we were waiting in line at uh, in the food court and talking about what we were going to eat. And this person comes up to me, and I guess they saw my name badge and everything. They said, why do you want to cause women to be uh, thrown in the kitchen and barefoot and pregnant? And, and I said, excuse me? And, she, and, and they said, uh, what are you kind of... Uh, it was a woman too. Uh, you, uh, you think that all we women are good for is to be pregnant and, and in the kitchen cooking for you men and being submissive to you? Why are you wanting us to be submissive to you? And, and I, I said, well, wait, wait a minute now. Hold on. Uh, see, what happens when you go to the convention is, is a lot of times... Uh, uh, reporters will come and they'll report on what's going on at the big Southern Baptist all these ba- thousands of Southern Baptists have come to our town and they're here voting and these are some of the things they're voting on and, and they like to find the stuff that's going to create some interest uh, i.e. controversy and so they they take some of this stuff and because they don't know what we're uh, talking about because they don't spend some time listening to what we're discussing, and because they don't research it, and they don't, know, and lots of times they don't know anything about what we're talking about. Uh, they just hear a few snippets, and then they conjecture, and then they go off on it. And so this person had heard the news and and came down there upset because uh, she had heard that we were voting on making women submissive and in. And they felt like it was uh, it, submissive was equal to walking on them like a doormat, and submissive was all about uh, uh, women being pregnant and in the kitchen. And I said, "No, ma'am." I said, "You misunderstood a little bit, and tried to explain it to her for a little while, and and tried to witness to her some, and and of course that caused her to go scurrying off somewhere else uh, when I started witnessing to her, but." Basically, the passage of Scripture here, uh, Paul talks about submission in several different ways. He says, wives, submit yourselves. But he also says, husbands, uh, uh, love your wives like, uh, uh, like uh, Christ loved the church. And that was one of the things I shared with her. I said, look, while it does say that, uh, and this is the passage of Scripture that we're basing this on, wives to be submissive to your husbands, because basically that Paul was saying that's the order that God laid out uh, for us, and that's the model that we should follow. I said, the men have the greater challenge. I said, we're supposed to love our wives like Christ loved the church, I said, that means I ought to be willing to give my life for my wife. Now, the Bible's just telling my wife to be submissive to me, but I'm to give my life for my wife. Which is greater, me giving my life or my wife listening to what I have to say? And she kind of, um, 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 kind of thing. And, and that was when she started to to leave. But it also talks about submission and a, cop, a couple of different things. But, but all of this talk of submission 
is all related to following in God's order, doing the things in accordance to God's desire in our life. And here, before it talks about women submitting or anything else, it says that we're to submit ourselves one to another. What does that mean? That means we're to get along with one another. We're to show respect to one another. We're to give reverence towards one another. Why? Because each of us is a vessel of the Spirit of God. So we're to respect one another because of the fact that the Spirit lives within us. And we're to live uh, as if uh, uh, we are honoring God by honoring each other. And so when we have the Spirit of God in us, it changes our attitude. It changes... Uh, all of this is about the change that, that happens in our life. When we drink in excess or we allow drugs in our life or when we are obsessing about uh, 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 gambling or anything else, it's allowing that to have control in our life and that changes our behavior. But he says, instead, be filled with the Spirit. Allow God to not only fill your life and have control, but, but more importantly, allow God, the Spirit of God, to change your behavior. Your behavior changes from someone who's controlled by things of the world to someone who's controlled by the presence of the Holy Spirit. And He causes you to change in your demeanor first and foremost to God by giving praises and honoring God and glorifying God, then to one another in your daily walk. And so everything relate and and so everything is is related to how God changes your life. So so the whole thing about our relationship to the Holy Spirit is is one of allowing the Holy Spirit to change our lives, to, to control, uh, allow God to be the Lord of our life. Not now, I'm not talking about control like uh, He's using a joystick up up there. You know those arms that that you know you you put in your quarters shows you how much I play those games. You know, I, it costs a dollar, a couple of dollars anymore to play that crane game. But you know, you put money into the crane game and, and you have a joystick on the outside of the glass and, and you once you put your money in, you can control that crane and, and it jerks here and jerks there because, you know, they don't want you to win uh, anything big. And, and the crane goes out and you're to position that crane over something that you value. Maybe it's a watch or a, a game or a, a stuffed animal. And then when you got it where you want it, you push the button and the crane goes down and grab, grabs at something. And sometimes, it very infrequently, it, it, with me never, it never picks up anything. The most that ever happens with me is, is it goes down and hits what I want, but never comes close to grabbing onto it. Now, Robin's a lot better at it. She, it goes down, and she goes down there, and it goes, and it sometimes it picks it up, and, and it, as it comes close to the opening where it uh, releases it to you, it starts to let it go. And if you don't have a good hold on it, it'll let it go too soon, and it, it'll miss and all that. All to cause you to spend more money 
to try and get another thing. Anyway, God doesn't control us like we control the crane to get us to do things like that. That's not the control I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is His influence in our life to change us, to change our relationship to each other, to change our relationship, more importantly, to God, to cause us to live and walk. Not at, Paul talks about in Ephesians about taking off the old self. And he likens it, and the words he uses is like, take off the old self, like taking off the old coat, the old coveralls, the nasty uh, clothes that you've been wearing out in the field. And when you go in, uh, when you've been working out in the dusty field and you've been plowing and everything, and, and you've been in one of, on one of those old, old tractors that, that everything that happens hits you, you come in and you're, you're covered in a, in a layer of, of dirt and clay and dust and everything, right? And you strip off the old uh, clothes that you wear out there because you're not going to wear your Sunday best out there to plow when you're going to get that filthy. You wear old stuff that you don't mind getting all filthy and dirty. And he's talking about take off the old self like that old filthy uh, clothes that you've been wearing while you've been out there working and peel them off and then allow the Spirit of God to wash over you, cleanse you like you do when you go and get in the shower. <coughs> and then he talks about putting on a new robe, a robe of righteousness. Those fresh clothes you got, they're clean and everything uh, from... You don't put on the old dirty, nasty clothes you had on before after you take the shower, do you? That, that still have all the, the clay and mud and goop that was out there in the field. No, you put on some new clothes or you put on some clothes that are nice and fresh and clean. And, and it's like you're putting on a new set of, of clothes. He wants you to put on a new self. And He talks about change in your life in that way. And this is changing your life by allowing the Spirit of God into you. And the, our relationship to God is all about change. It's not about just simply washing and cleaning. God's not a dog service. He doesn't come out and just simply wash us when we get salvation and say, okay, here you go, Fluffy. You're all nice and clean and you even smell like cookies. No, He wants to not do more than just simply wash us. He wants to change us. And that's all a part of the relationship with His Holy Spirit. When He comes into our life, He comes in to, to change us on, on the outside and wash us and make us clean, but change us on the inside by infusing within us His Spirit. So we're no longer the old self. We're the self that He desired for us to be. Guess what? We're the self that He wanted us to be when He created all of mankind and put us in the garden. When we accept Jesus into our heart and our life and the Spirit of God comes in us and dwells within us, we're more like Adam before the fall than we are ever Adam at any point after the fall. We're more like what God intended for our relationship to be. We're washed, we're clean, we're perfect, and uh, we're perfected by the cleansing of the blood. 
and He's infused us with His Spirit so that when... It's like when Adam was walking with God in the garden. He had a personal relationship with God. He was, you know, the Bible says that he walked with God each evening. And that has been what God has been striving for us to be, to have in our life ever since. And when Jesus came and died on the cross... And His Spirit came and dwelt among, in, within mankind after Jesus rose and ascended into heaven. It was finished. His work was complete. He finally got man back to what He had desired for man to be like from the very beginning of time. And that's what all of this is about. It's about having that relationship with God, not just simply having God come and wipe us clean, but that we would have that walk, that intimate relationship of walking with God each day and having that loving relationship with God once again by His coming and dwelling within us. Let's pray. Dear Gracious Father God, we pray that You'd help us to have that kind of relationship with You, to allow You to fill us, to allow You to, to come and be a part of us so that we would have such a close relationship with You that we would know how You feel, what You think about things as they come and assail us each day, that we would know what You would say about things by the study of Your Word, and by the indwelling of the Spirit of God. Lord, that You would allow us to have the kind of relationship so that we would, uh, uh, when we read Your Word and when we, uh, we study it, we know what You think because You dwell within us. Lord, help us to have that close relationship to You that only comes by the dwelling of the Spirit of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.